Hill, and welcome to the Big Dating Energy Podcast. I am Jeff Gunther, your very handsome host, and I'm so happy you're here today. I'm talking to Kevin James Thornton. Kevin and I are sort of, what it feels like is that we're in the same cohort on TikTok. We both got pretty well-known during the pandemic, early pandemic times, and got a bunch of followers. And then we saw TikTok just sort of uh, go into this really weird, funky space, where now TikTok isn't as... Um, we're not, we're both like not getting as many views. They're not, they're not, uh, treating the pandemic creators as, as well as they used to. I feel like TikTok is really going through some growing pains right now. There's a lot of TikTok shop videos, which everybody hates. There's so many ads. I don't think they're making as much money as they want. And because of that, the original creators during the pandemic are getting like suppressed or maybe everyone's just sick of us. That could also be it. I hate when people blame the algorithm for not getting views, but in this case, TikTok is going through some weird times. Uh, if you want to find or watch uh, Kevin James Thornton, you can look for him on TikTok. You can also look for him on Instagram because I think that's where we're getting all the good views. Today, I got to talk to Kevin. He came to my house, which was always really nice. He was He's touring through Portland and Pacific Northwest, and I got to see his show after we did our talk, uh, after we did this interview, and it was so good. He is constantly touring. He will be coming through your town. I promise you. Look him up. The show is so funny, so vulnerable, so honest, so sweet, so compelling and entertaining. Highly recommend. 10 out of 10. And I'm not just saying that because he gave like a really good interview on this podcast. I'm saying that because he was so fucking talented. You can like, you watch him and you're just like, oh, he's been doing this for a while. He knows exactly what he's doing up there. And there's something really like lovely about watching somebody on stage who's so comfortable on stage and also who's really comfortable on this episode, just saying it how it is. I think that this episode of Big Dating Energy is one of my favorites because it, it might be the format that I like the most so far. Uh, and if you've been listening so far, the formats are all all over the place because I'm trying to figure out which format works best for me and you, the listener. And this one is kind of like uh, it's part interview, part therapy session, part relationship history. Like I want to know how somebody's personality developed, where they came from why they are the way they are and how they like who they've attracted into their life romantically and why that is. So it's just sort of like me trying to really get to know somebody and the, and Kevin and, and uh, this scenario really just being like open and honest about his entire life. And it's a really interesting one. He's 50 years old now and he's just getting back out there and hitting the dating scene. And he has a lot to say. So Listen to this episode, and if you want to give something back, like if you're enjoying yourself listening to these episodes, then you should give me a little review, a five-star review. I highly recommend you highly recommend me. And if you're like, I want so much more big dating energy, well, lucky for you, there's a book coming out on July 9th, and pre-orders are available. So go to therapyjeff.com and pre-order the big dating energy book. You won't be sorry. It's hilarious and helpful. Okay. Kevin, hello. Hi. I'm Hi. so glad this worked out. I know. I'm glad, too. You're actually in Portland in my house right now. I am. Yeah. I usually do this over Zoom. And you miss out on, like, the body language, the energy. Yeah. Right? It's really vibey in here. Isn't it? Your house is fantastic. Thank you. Can you tell me what vibe you're feeling in here to see if I actually got the vibe I was trying to get? Well, this feels... We're in the basement, and it definitely has, like, a like a 70s swanky sleepover <laughs> vibe <laughs> yeah who are you well i mean that's the thing is that when i when i first moved in here which was in april this basement was just an unfinished basement so i got to totally vibe it out uh, and i had a designer working with me and i was like i want like a 90s comfy video game room because that's what oh, i like sure. but she was like no you don't actually uh, <laughs> Because, uh, like, 90s style was not a cool style. It was have. not. There was... I can't even remember what the... It was It was, It was. was gross. It was, like, it was something between the 80s and 2000s, yep. and it didn't have a real good vibe. It didn't. Everything was, like, a, like a deep wood color with, like, forest green <laughs> and burgundy accents. Yes. My... Actually, my, like, parents in the... In our den... They had wallpaper that was padded. It was like puffy wallpaper. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> 
So she was like, nope, we're not going to do that. And she was like, let's go for like more of a retro 70s. It's 80s great. Vibe. It's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's very comfy down here. I fall asleep on that couch. I bet. Every night. That's how I fall asleep. Do you fall asleep on the couch before you go to bed? Absolutely not. No? No. I get in bed. I, but I do. I watch things, but on my computer in my bed. Yeah. I do that as well. I, the problem is that like couch sleepy doesn't transfer to like bed sleepy. It doesn't. Oh, okay. And you have to go all the way up into the bedroom. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the worst time of the day for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm glad that you're here though. And, and today also I was telling you before we like hit record, this is the first episode that I'm doing where I was just like, no notes. We're just going to like talk and see what happens. Who knows what might happen? Yeah. <laughs> we don't. We don't. We have no idea. This might be the best episode or the absolute worst. One or the other. Uh-huh. It'll be either one. <laughs> um, so before we kind of like get into things, can you tell everybody where you're from? I I guess if we go all the Let's way go back. all the way back. Yeah, to your childhood. Um, I My dad was in the military. He just got back from Vietnam. Mm. and. Uh, impregnated my mother is that a weird thing to say a little bit yeah. but like, i think you get the point across yeah and uh we were stationed at fort knox kentucky when i was born but we immediately moved to indiana where i grew up okay and went to college as well oh really yeah okay so you spent your like entire childhood basically in indiana in indiana yeah. what's what was that like Eh. Everyone is like, I've never been to Indiana. And I'm like, I know <laughs> because there's nothing there. It's like cornfields. Very, most of it is really conservative kind of Republican territory. And uh, especially, you know, when I was young in the eighties and early nineties. Um, what year were you born? 1973. Okay. I just turned 50. Happy birthday. Thanks. Well, not like just <laughs> like a few months ago. <laughs> Okay. I take that back. <laughs> you do not get a happy birthday. Okay. Um, so born in 1973, grew up in Indiana. There's nothing interesting about the place is what I'm picking up from you. No, it was like the only thing we had to do. I mean, you could either get in trouble or you could go to church. Oh. And that's what I did. I went to church. Okay. I mean, but um, so there was lots of like youth group activities. That was my entire, especially my high school years. Hmm. Um, did you enjoy the youth group? Well, yeah, I did. I mean, it's like simultaneously like the most painful thing hmm. and somehow really fun memories because hmm. it was a really sociable thing. Mm -hmm. It was almost like they, we were throwing a party like several nights a week with like pizza and a band and wow. Yeah. It, it was a production. Yeah. yeah. So it was about the community mainly yeah. right? and the connection. And okay. it was a huge church. So we had like a hundred kids would like hang out on a Wednesday night in the church gymnasium. Oh shit. It was really fun. Wow. And where, how did you fit into the, was, was there like clicks there or was everybody? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. Yeah. What, what click were you part of? Well, I've always, I've always been good on stage. Mm -hmm. You can hand me a microphone and I've got it. Mm -hmm. Even when I was 14, okay. you know, 15. Mm -hmm. So I sort of rose into like teenage leadership oh. pretty quickly. Like I was leading things a lot because uh -huh. I think people in the church saw that that kid has <laughs> televangelist potential <laughs> or something. <laughs> and that's sort of what I thought my life would be, you know. Oh, really? And, yeah, that was yeah. the plan when you were a kid that you want, when you grew up, you wanted to be a... Not necessarily a televangelist, <laughs> but some sort of like pastor or a youth Got pastor. Uh -huh. I didn't know any, I didn't know anything else. So yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So you're, uh, do you have any siblings? I have one younger sister My and we, we were never especially close. My How much younger? She's three years younger than me. Oh, okay. She was kind of a hellion. Hell in, I, what do you mean by that's that? Like in, that's Indiana talk for wild child, oh. like getting in trouble, uh -huh. sneaking out and drinking. Or, okay. you know, and I did none of that. I was the opposite. Why didn't you do that? I, you know, I don't know. I think I was getting so much uh, attention yeah. at church. I was like, I was, I was successful at church. <laughs> so I committed. Uh -huh. to it. And did your parents, were they married? Did they get oh, married? Yeah. They they're were. still married. Oh, they're still married. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. And they look like they're still in love. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. As far as we know, they're still in it love. Looks like it. Yeah. yeah. That's good. <laughs> I mean, they're together and, you know, think I have, I mean, my house, it was really peaceful, but we weren't especially engaged with each other. I think that's like a, like all the members of the family. Yeah. Especially? My okay. mom and dad seem, seemed to be, but they're quiet Indiana people. You know, if you, if you grew up in the eighties, you were raised by a television probably. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely was, I mean, in that respect, but like, right. you know, they provided for us, but we didn't really like sit down and talk. Mm-hmm. You didn't do that in 1987. No, yeah. you didn't. So what TV shows were raising you? Uh, when I was really young, I loved the A-Team <laughs> with Mr. T, if you remember the A-Team. Oh yeah, classic. Yeah. yeah I remember that. Um by the time by the time I got into high school and so involved in church and stuff, I I, I sort of stopped hanging out at home. Oh, I was at church all the time, mm-hmm. so I didn't watch a lot of TV past you know beyond like the eighties. Did you watch like Charles in Charge, uh, Full House? Definitely, it was my sister was a big TV watcher, so if I, I, I sometimes would come home and that, those sort of things would be on. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say I have like a lot of memories about. Yeah. That era of TV. Yeah. Saturday Night Live actually was something we watched. Oh. That was like the era of like the church lady. Mm. Do you remember that sketch? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or the Sweeney sisters, the uh-huh. two lounge singers. Yeah. <laughs> did did you so it sounds like you sort of got attention and maybe validation or love from your parents by being like a good church boy. Oh, probably. And your sister tried to figure out something else by getting attention, by kind of being like getting in trouble, being a little rebel. Did she like turn into like the scapegoat where was she like the prop? Like was everyone like focusing on how shitty she was being or, you know, what's funny is I think my, my, my sister laughs now. We're much closer today. Okay. All of us are much closer today mm-hmm. than we were then. Mm-hmm. But my sister sometimes gets a kick out of like confessing things to my parents that they had no idea oh. that was going. Go- I mean, she was sneaking out constantly. I would see it. Uh-huh. But it's like, how do they not know she's not in the house right now? <laughs> but <laughs> it was that sort of thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, we it wasn't. It didn't really cause conflict in the house. Yeah. But she was out there doing something. And you didn't ever like narc on her or? No, I didn't. Oh, you're a good big brother. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> did you just not care or were you, did you want to protect her from getting punished? I, it's a little bit of a blur. Okay. For some reason. Yeah. My teenage years ended up being v- super traumatic. Okay. Let's but... start there. <laughs> what was super traumatic about it? Because when I, uh, and then, when I started realizing that I was gay, mm. that doesn't fit into that world, that world I at, imagine not. at all. Yeah. And I, I, you know, especially in that era, it was before the internet. So like the only voices I really heard were the ones directly around me mm. and a church in that small town. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem like there were any other gay people. Mm. It didn't seem like it, mm-hmm. you know? So the only thing I really knew was the terrible things they would occasionally say at church mm-hmm. or I'd hear like my aunts and uncles make like, you know, derogatory jokes about, you know, people we didn't know. Right. Weird perverts out there somewhere. You right. Know? Yeah. And like that, you know, the, that whole church thing was my whole life. I thought that's who I was going to be. And it, so mm. it, it turned into this like private hell. For sure, mm-hmm. you know, and then I st- you know, and with all that repression, like I, so- I, as I was like getting into like 17, 18, I started like developing these like secret crushes on my friends, mm-hmm. you know, and then like right after high school, everyone started getting married because we were Christians and everyone was horny. So like, <laughs> right, right, it was right. like 10 weddings oh, wow. and like, like, and one of them was like a guy that I just, I was totally like secret in love with. And I was just so heartbroken over it, but I couldn't tell anybody mm-hmm. or even admit it to myself. So you weren't like journaling about it. You weren't, there wasn't like some, you know, uh, pen pal or like a private breast friend. You want, or... you want to hear the weirdest thing? Yeah. I talk about this in my show right okay. now. I, um, I, uh, I did start keeping a journal, mm. but I, I wrote entries of what I thought a straight Christian man would say oh. in his most private thoughts. Oh. Isn't that really weird? And like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I, I was, I was in such denial and like, it was just like, 
this cannot happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I did, I, I, I filled a notebook with fake emotional confessions. Yeah. And and was that you trying to like identify with this made up part of you that you like wished you were, or were you trying to fool yourself or fool someone that might come across the journal? Like, yeah, I, it feels like in that time, like I said, I think that maybe caused the blurry memories, you know, but like, it almost feels like I walled off something in my brain Mm -hmm. and would not let, Mm -hmm. even in my own thoughts, I would not think maybe I'm gay Mm -hmm. because that would be too close to the truth Mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. So I saw, even in my own thoughts, I like somehow kept that all behind some weird wall. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was probably, that probably served you for a little while. Like that was good that you compartment or walled off that part of you so that you can continue to, uh, enjoy the community and connect with people and imagine having a similar future or similar relationships or something like you want to feel connected to everybody and you want to feel just like everybody. And that's what you did, but you were like splitting off inside and totally not recognizing a really important part of who you were. And there was like... Was there anybody, any adults that maybe saw that possibly you were gay and tried to like create like a conversation with you or? Yes. But I mean, you know, by the time I finally left that place, I was a mess as you can imagine. But like, um, there was this theater near my house on Saturday nights, punk bands would play and then they would show Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I, that was kind of off limits for the church kids. Wait, uh, can you just because I feel like there might be listeners that have no idea what Rocky Horror Picture Show is yeah. or the scene. How is that possible? Rocky... Yeah. <laughs> right. Can you yeah. just kind of describe what goes on there and what that's all about? It's one of those movies that I, I, I actually genuinely like that movie. Sure. Yes. Um, but it's so ridiculous that it, it sort of became this cult movie. Mm-hmm. It's like this. Um, it's a musical where Tim Curry plays this like alien from outer space who's obsessed with sex and they come to earth and he's building like a sex, not robot, but like a, like a Frankenstein sex monster. And it was super hot. Uh (laughs) And then, yeah, Susan Sarandon shows up somehow. And, uh, it's this big, weird musical of, Tim Curry making a sex monster. Yeah. And, and where I grew up in LA and when like they would, they would show Rocky horror picture show. There is like, if you went, it was a fucking spectacle. Absolutely. Like it was a performance with the audience. Yes. Right. And, and you would want to, there'd be like people competing to like play different parts uh, and stuff like, was it that like it extravagant? Was. Okay. And I think that's what I, it seemed. It's hard to explain. Cause it wasn't like, these are my people because they weren't yet. Mm. You know, I think I wanted them to be. Why weren't they? Well, yet? they couldn't be. Mm. You know what I mean? Because they were so different than. And it was sinful. Yeah. Or, you know, dressing yeah. up in lingerie. And, you right. Know. But also in like 1989, 1990, gay people were not on like the forefront of Christians' minds. Mm. Really mm-hmm. in the way that they are today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, we knew about it. We didn't know anyone that was like that, mm-hmm. but, and they're sinful. Mm-hmm. But so if you ever meet one, run the other direction, you know, mm-hmm. it was, but it wasn't like on TV. It, uh, well, barely, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't have the internet. So when I saw that stuff, I didn't have a lot of thoughts that were handed to me about them. It was just like, oh, this probably shouldn't be going on for a youth group kid, <laughs> but I really want to be here. Yeah. So I went. Well, that those are like very opposite feelings and emotions of like maybe being like, this is bad. This isn't okay. I shouldn't hang out. And another part of you that's just like, I'm feeling so compelled to like stay and connect and, and, and be curious about what's going on. So, but it sounds like you hung out there. Like the part of you that wanted to like, see what was up sort of had more power. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and this sort of continued through the beginning of college too, but I sort of learned how to live a double life. Mm-hmm. Like I'd show up at church and be that person. Mm-hmm. And then I'd go hang out with the Rocky Horror Kids and be that person. And did your parents know that you're hanging out at Rocky yes. Horror? Yes. <laughs> well, How did they feel about my, it? Did they know? Yeah. I, people often ask me like about my parents. And I think that it, it would be easy to assume that my parents were taking me to church and they were not. Mm. They, they weren't churchgoers. Mm. Um, 
and they're still they're today they're super liberal people. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that then. We didn't talk about anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I put myself through that. I got sucked into that youth group and I took myself. Mm-hmm. My dad knew the owner of that theater that played Rocky Horror. So he thought that was a safe space for me to hang out because he knew the owner. Oh, so I'd be there till like three in the morning when I was like yeah. 16 years old. Uh-huh. My dad thought, I was like, oh, he's, he's at my friend's establishment. Yeah. Wow. And it was probably, I mean, there were drugs and things going on. I didn't partake in any of that. But Were there kids there that were like openly, outwardly like gay or pl- fluid in their gender or sexuality? Yes, there was. There yeah. were. Again, we didn't really have the language yet. Right. You know what I mean? Or even, I had never really thought about identity mm-hmm. or, you know what I mean? Any of that stuff. So it was there and it was almost just like, there was one guy who, uh, his name was Daryl. And uh, he wore skirts and dresses and things. And he presented himself as, hi, I'm Daryl. And I'm, we didn't even think like gender or pro, you know, that mm-hmm. was way before that. So it was almost just like, oh my God, Daryl is so crazy. And that was sort of the end of it. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like <laughs> Daryl's so crazy and we love him. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. He's cool. He was okay. really funny. Yeah. Interesting. Especially in that setting. Yeah. Daryl would go to the, can I say fuck on the show? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> Daryl would go to the mall in Evansville, Indiana, in a leather miniskirt oh. in 1989. Holy shit. Brave as fuck. Rock. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. It's just yeah. like the environments are so completely different, it feels like, where there's just sort of like openness. There's like uh, a lot of – I mean, maybe didn't use the word back then, but like – queer sort of acceptance and then like at the church there was still like very close community and acceptance and love but in a different package right with different yeah. expectations yeah. right and, and a part of you was is that kid that that was like had friends was kind of like a leader in the group was probably looked up to close relationships. And then you had this other part where you're like going to Rocky Horror Picture. Was that just like every Saturday? Yep. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Man. What? A, and so I can totally understand why you would like split off and why there would be like sort of like this uh, wall or compartmental. But like, so you said though, that like it was kind of traumatic though. Uh, what, uh, can you talk more about like the trauma that you experienced? Back yeah. Then? And again, that's not a word I, we had yeah, in exactly. 1990 yeah, either. Right. But- <laughs> Um, I remember by the time, so when like everyone was getting married and I was like, that's, you know, maybe I'm like 20 years old at this point. I decided not to go to college. I ended up, ended up going to college, but I first decided not to, cause I was going to stay at the church and become like a youth pastor or something. So it was around then, you know, a couple years past high school and I was just getting so internally miserable that I had, I, at this point I was like, I'm, I'm gay. I can't be gay, but I am gay, you know, and I knew that at 20. And I, at first I was like, well, I'll just be a celibate Christian man in Evansville, Indiana. And I mean, as time went on, that just became so unbearable. And I started feeling like so lonely and like something was profoundly wrong with me. You know, my whole, uh, my whole worldview was like, there's something really wrong with me, you know? And so if I'd have like thoughts of, Uh, I mean, you know, it's, I think right now everyone thinks like gay is just sex and it's, you know, it's, it's watching a rom-com and feeling tingly and about, you know what I mean? It's like, it just, every element of my life where I would have feelings that that were me about my true self felt like it was a, it was a sin. I was just like drowning in this like idea of like, I'm a monster or something. And this was still... All private. You weren't talking private. to anybody I had, about it. I was starting to crack. Okay. I was starting to tell people, like, I think I, we would say, uh, I think I'm struggling with my so- sexuality, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then uh, my friends all got married and I was in just this like haze of pain. And uh, my friend from high school was going to a state college, like five hours north of Indiana. And he came home like for Thanksgiving or something. We talked. And he was like, man, you got to get out of here, hmm. you know? And, uh, he was like, you should come up and visit me at school and check it out. And hmm. I did, I drove up there just to hang out with him for a weekend mm-hmm. and I never left. Wow. Yeah. I think as soon as I was out of it, 
yeah. immediately. It was still Indiana, but it, now it was like a college campus. And, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, just something inside of me was like, never fucking go back there again. Oh, I interesting. Didn't, I never huh. went back. I went back to like get my things and then just go straight back. And then mm-hmm. like. Was there grief and sadness? About yes. Like, yeah, okay. So much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I still like for the first year of college was like, okay, I'm still a Christian. I think I'm gay and I don't think that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know? And mm-hmm. then, uh, like my first year of co- of college, I met a guy and we made out for the first time and just little by little, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. I, it took me like a couple more years just hearing also like I, so I went and signed up for, to major in musical theater. Okay. So I was surrounded suddenly uh-huh. by gay people and it, like, I, this probably sounds weird, but I was like in this department of gay people and people who did not care. Mm. that they were gay. And I didn't even really know that that was a possibility. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Just like, and I was like, wait, you don't care that at what, you know, <laughs> were you like envious of them? Were you mad at them? Cause you thought they should maybe care about it or feel ashamed or how are you, how'd you feel about those people? I, it was, no, I felt relief. You felt relief. Yeah. Okay. Were you, it, did you want to like get to where they were mentally, emotionally? Yes. Like, I don't, yeah. like, I don't think I was consciously thinking like, that's going to be me in a year, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was. And they sort of inadvertently maybe like acted as role models. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they were like accepting and lovely and yeah. friendly. Yeah. yeah. And then mm-hmm. like, you know, a couple, of course, you know, beginning actor classes, you're really sort of studying your own emotions and that sort of thing. And so it was probably the exact perfect place for me mm, mm-hmm. to escape. <laughs> yeah. To escape and be found, you know, yeah. it sounds like you had like a really powerful feeling of like, you should not go back. This is the next part of your life. There's like people that you can identify with or like understand that like you have like similar, whatever feelings, values, sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, yeah, total fucking relief. But, yeah, like I said, probably a lot of, like, grief and sadness because you did have a fantasy about what life was going to be like when you were a kid, being, like, a youth pastor or something. But you, like, left the church. Were people mad at you for leaving and not coming back? Like, how did you – what happened there? You know, I thought about this, uh, like, in the years after, but no one one came for me. Huh. I'm so glad they didn't. <laughs> Why do you think that is? But I don't know. It was just sort of like out of sight, out of mind or something. It's mm-hmm. a small community of people who are just sort of wrapped up and manipulating each other. Mm-hmm. And once I was gone, I was just gone. Do you think that like some of them, do they, did they know where you went? Like, yeah. And were they just like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Like it, he's, I guess, I mean, you know, him, again, this is like pre Facebook, right? You, could, they, you couldn't get online and stalk me and see what <laughs> right. I was saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it was, uh-huh. <laughs> they could write me a letter if they yeah. wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I think I did get a couple letters maybe. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I remember letters. Yeah. Um, Okay, so you went to college, um, and that's where you kind of, like, stepped into your sexuality in a more, like, confident way, Yes, it sounds like, yeah. which was a real big relief. It was. Um, when was your, like, uh, what were, like, what did the, your, like, romantic relationships look like in college? There was really only one guy all mm-hmm. through college, and we were sort of on again, off again. I think I sort of put him through it because I was not... I still had a lot of conflict. And so like one semester I'd feel better about it and we'd be fine. And then like I'd go home for Christmas and see someone from church and then come back to college feeling a little guilty that I had a boyfriend and we'd break mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, so how was, was he cool about that? No, <laughs> it was all, it was, we were, I, I, that's why I said, I think I really put him through it. Okay. Okay. You know? uh-huh. But we were on again, off again, all through college. It didn't really seem like, I don't know how this is possible. There were like the handful of gay guys in the theater department and then my college boyfriend. It didn't seem like there were a lot more gay people. Like mm-hmm. it was it was still Indiana. We had one gay bar downtown and this is I think also because of the time period because this is like mid 90s. And you go in there, it was called the Mark 3 Tap Room and for some reason it was like circus themed. Okay. There were like circus decorations. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was this like long wooden paneled room, real smoky nineties music playing, like dance, gay dance music playing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
and it was mostly like older men, like, like over 65, 70, mm. and then a handful of college kids. It's cause it was like the, it was the AIDS era, mm. you know? So like there weren't really like middle-aged gay men mm-hmm. that I saw, you know? So we'd walk in there and it was like, everyone who's gay is old. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's us and a bunch of old guys. <laughs> That's funny. We were chain smoking at the Mark III. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was just, yeah, the 90s were a a pretty weird fucking, uh, 80s and 90s were a pretty weird fucking place. And I remember, you know, like, I grew up, I'm I'm heterosexual and I grew up like in with all my like friends where we would say like, you know, like that's so fucking gay as in like that's so fucking stupid or something. We did too. Yeah. And it was just like what it was just part of the language. It was. And yeah. yeah. And now thankfully we've, you know, maybe we're evolving a little bit here, yeah. but yeah. yeah. Uh, and th- so there wasn't like, it doesn't sound like at least where you were, there was like a lot of like safe spaces, I guess we could say where there's no. like lots of gay or queer people. No. So, well, there was a, a, a club in Indianapolis, which was like a 45 minute drive south mm-hmm. um, called the Vogue. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a, it was just a music venue, but on sure. Wednesday nights they had gay nights. Oh. And so we would always drive down there on Wednesday nights and it was like a gay dance club, but there were maybe like a hundred guys there. Mm. I think that would all come in from surrounding communities, mm-hmm. descend upon the Vogue for gay night. <laughs> that was the closest thing to like, oh, there's more of us. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. So college ends eventually. And I guess that boy he doesn't want to put up with you anymore? Like, how does that relationship end? Probably by, like, the last semester of college we were done. I remember going back one... And and by... It was was really... I mean, I I stretched college out for, like, six years. Mm -hmm. I graduated in in 2000, and I should have graduated maybe in 1998 or something. Um, But, you know, so we're making our plans of what's next and where we're going to move to. And I, I remember going back and giving it one more try to see if he would, you know, stir it up again. Mm -hmm. And he was just absolutely done with me at that point. Uh I remember like, cause I, at that point I felt pretty whole. Like I, I, when I left college, I had not dealt with any of that old religious trauma stuff. I didn't even quite understand that it was there, Mm -hmm. but by the time I left college, I felt not in conflict about my sexuality Mm -hmm. or yeah, Yeah. truly. And, you know, and then, by the time, you know, when I left college, I, I would say is when I moved into life as like, I'm fine with who I am. I, there's no conflict about it. Yeah. Do you have like good memories and feelings about the old college boyfriend? Yeah. We were not right for each other. Okay. <laughs> I did not know who I was. He didn't really either. Got it. You know, looking back now, I'm like, there, not, not a chance in hell, but, uh-huh. but then it was, he was really cute. Okay. You know, and it was kind of my first, my first love. Yeah. First reciprocated, reciprocated love. Yeah. That's very sweet. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So college ends. What's your next relationship? I didn't have one for a long time. Like I, um, I moved to Nashville to start a band. Oh, really? Yeah. And what, what did you play in the band? I played guitar. Uh huh. And what was uh, the name of the band? It, we had several different names over the years. Um, and it ultimately just ended up sort of being a solo project. So it was called Thornton, my last, my mm-hmm. last name. Mm-hmm. Um, like Cher or <laughs> Madonna. <Yeah>. Thornton. <laughs> um, but yeah, I moved to Nashville and just got like really career focused for a long time. And it was probably a super unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I was not happy for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, like, yeah, I think I've said before that like I sometimes think – with, you know, I didn't even understand what this word deconstruction was that on like TikTok, there's a deconstruction community mm-hmm. and people can sometimes tell me that they think I'm a leader in the deconstruction movement mm-hmm. because I, you know, just me telling my story so much on mm-hmm. TikTok, but that's not a word I even didn't know or even understand that it's a word I needed, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I think about like religious trauma or the ways those early memories affect me today, mm-hmm. I spent the 10 years in Nashville. I didn't even really, I wasn't happy and I didn't even really want it. It was something to do with 
in my church, being like a a music ministry person was like the highest calling in some way. So I started, I started all my playing and band stuff in the youth group. Hmm. But then when I left that world, it somehow felt like I left all, I mean, I left there with no identity Mm -hmm. outside of Jesus, Mm -hmm. except for music. Mm. Like, and I think when I decided to move to Nashville, something in me was like, I'm going to show everybody I've got it. Or I don't know, like I've got something beyond Jesus or I don't know. That's what Uh it's like looking back. It's like, I was doing something weird (laughs) because eventually I wasn't even passionate about it. It became this weird thing. Like I won't quit until I succeed because I have to prove myself. Or something. I don't know. Well, okay, but prove yourself to the to like the church community that you grew up with, or or prove something to yourself. I think maybe to myself because like they were so far in the past at that point. But I still was like, I don't know exactly. I still haven't really unpacked what like what was propelling me because I wasn't enjoying myself. I wasn't even excited about music. I was just so hell bent on getting a record deal. But I mean, you were you know like the whole church childhood like community, and then you like playing music in church, like you, you took the thing that like you could transfer out of it. Yes. Right? Yeah. 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 And, and, and maybe like you wanted your childhood or the past to like matter, hmm. like, cause if you did like continue to play music, then like your childhood was it a waste like, or something. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That, I don't know. That's, that's that kind of feels yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, of course, getting a record deal means, like, you have made it to this yeah. very specific mountaintop and you can yeah. show everybody that, like, you're professional or legit or whatever you – yeah. yeah. Um, but you okay. asked, like, about a boyfriend or something. Right. That didn't really happen again for a long time. Who was my next boyfriend? I spent those first few years, like, hooking up with guys on gay.com. I think that was oh, suddenly gay. a thing. Yeah. When did that – when was that a thing? This when did was, that launch? This was probably, like, 2003. Right. Okay. There was yeah. a website called Adam for Adam. Yes. yes it's kind of, right. I don't know. Those early internet things are funny. <laughs> but so, yeah, I mean, I did stuff like that, but I didn't really date anyone. Who was my next boyfriend? It, it took a minute. I can't, so even, was, I can't even remember. <laughs> it was mostly like just kind of casual hookups yes. though. Yeah. 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 And was that a good time? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not especially fulfilling, I guess. Yeah. And like you yeah. said, a little more focused on career yeah. music stuff, mm-hmm. yeah. but that was there. I eventually went on the road with a band, which was two straight guys and me in a van mm-hmm. for like four solid years. Oh, wow. So it was, I mean, any kind of like anything I had was just like hookup-y stuff. There was no, you know, mm-hmm. there was, I was never in at home enough to like have a relationship. Yeah. So yeah. you traveled all around, all around the country. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Were there like certain stops that you liked better than, than others? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I still, I mean, I, my life has never really stopped being on the road. I'm still mm-hmm. there, you know, mm-hmm. I really love New York city. I loved playing the big, the big cities, mm-hmm. Los Angeles, New York, Chicago. Those were always fun. Mm-hmm. So was it like pretty satisfying touring with like these dudes and playing music? It was, we were also just so broke. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were poor mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes just making enough money to get to the best, to the next show and get, you know, getting a subway sandwich <laughs> and that was your food for the day. Yeah. And, was there but, something like kind of like romantic and gritty about probably. that? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How like, old were you back then? When, I mean, this is like my mid to late twenties now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a 10 year journey before it just, you know, didn't work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was it, was there a time where you eventually were like, I'm going to give up playing music or making, trying to make a career out of it or. Yeah. By the time it, by the time it, you know, I was maybe like 32, 33. We got really close a couple times to getting the big Nashville record deal. Mm. And then it, I remember at one point something fell through and it was really disappointing. And I just had a moment where I was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. Mm. Like, I don't even know why I'm doing it anymore. It, it just took 10 years. We didn't really get anywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm so tired of not having any money. Mm. I needed to do something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what'd you do? Stand up comedy, <laughs> <laughs> which, just, that, which turned out great. But, <laughs> yeah, but, but <laughs> was that like? So did you? What did that feel like a natural progression for you? Because you're on stage, yeah, so, and maybe you had a relationship with the audience. Yeah, because I went, you know, so I went to school for theater, mm-hmm. then played in a band for ten years. I just remembered my, my oh, next boyfriend. Okay. It, took, the, it, did, it almost took like ten years. Huh. Um, it's when I had 
the stand-up comedy thing was just like that's like the only performance stage thing that I had never really tried. Mm. And it sounded challenging and a little scary, but exciting if I could make it work. Were people telling you that you should give it yeah. a shot? I mean, I've always guy. been a, a funny guy, I guess, you yeah. know, just in like hanging out. Um, so I did, I started going to some open mics around Nashville and it was like, oh, I think maybe I have something. Hmm. And a guy saw me at one of those early things at one of those shows. And, uh, he, oh my God, he was so hot. And not even really my type, really. I don't know like that I would, what, why I'm saying that. He was just sort of like this like really big, like football player, like six, five blonde hair, blue eyes. And that's like, not the kind of guy I go for today at like at all. Yeah. But at the time, and he, he was just really into me. And so, um, this was the most, this is the most painful one. Mm. Uh, we packed up and together, barely knowing each other, moved to Los Angeles. Wow. Uh, for me to pursue stand up comedy. Huh. Is it what, so he just wanted to like go for the ride, or did he also want to get to he LA? Wanted, for... He wanted to go to California. Okay. I was like, that'd be a great place for me to continue my stand up comedy. Sure. Makes sense. And we, we packed up everything and moved to LA. We moved into a studio in West Hollywood. Uh-huh. Like you do. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're getting real close and intimate really quickly <laughs> yes. together. Yeah, it was, and then you know, and this is maybe I'd known him for four or five months at this point. In those four or five months, were lovely, and then we got to our little studio apartment, and he started to melt down and unleashed this seemingly like out of nowhere alcohol problem. Mm. And I'd never really been that close to that sort of thing before. It was a terrible year. Mm. It was, uh, and like, we sort of like threw ourselves at each other. I'd never really done that before. Mm-hmm. I think it was like, a uh, give yourself to love. Like, right. you, you know, it's the most, it's the human experience. Like if, it, if you have it, like give yourself to it. And I did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and had you and had you ever like given yourself to it like that before? No. Just really trusted it. No. Huh. So did it feel like amazing and lovely? For like three months. Yeah. Three months. Yeah. And then like when we got settled in L.A., um, it was weird. Like I think he was like keeping his best foot forward as long as he could, mm-hmm. and then something about just like being in this foreign place, mm-hmm. he just lost it. Mm-hmm. Like I'd come home every night and he would be blackout drunk. Really? Yeah. And like, it was always, I mean, there was nothing ever like physical. I I was never physically in danger, but it was just so scary to like come home Mm -hmm. and I'd be like, I was doing pretty well getting my foot into the LA comedy scene, Hmm. but you know, I, I'd be at a club till two in the morning Mm -hmm. and then I come home and sometimes like he would have like broken something and glass was everywhere and he's like cut his foot and he's like you could see in his eyes that he's like not even mm. present mm-hmm. you know just he's so drunk mm-hmm. and i'd put him to bed and he would like get up and pee on the floor it was mm. just like really awful that's a mess yes oh, God. <laughs> did you feel like responsible yes for i did yeah. i think looking back and even now that i'm saying this because i was like 34 years old i'm like i was i guess i was really naive yeah. I, you know, I are stunted in my growth or I was just saying this cause I'm talking to a therapist. <laughs> like, <laughs> like looking back now, I'm like, why? God, I did. I never learned any lessons. No. At Do that you... point I have, na- I fucking have now, <laughs> okay. oh, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then I was like, God, I, well, I put up with things that, you know, at 34 looking back, I'm like, I was just really naive, I guess. Why did I pack up everything and move to LA uh-huh. with a guy I met? Four months earlier. Do you think that like you both needed needed each other to do that so you could both end up in LA? Maybe, like, possibly. Yeah, maybe yeah. using each other, not in like a fucked up way, yeah. but just sort of like we're gonna like motivate each other to actually do this. Possibly. Um, and then the relationship was like it. Maybe it you, it did what it needed to do. It got both of you, or at least you, possibly yeah. over to Los Angeles, and then it didn't serve you at all when yeah. he started. It did to, not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did that end then? I remember, um, I, uh, there's a 
famous comedy store in LA called the comedy store. Mm-hmm. And that had to sort of become my spot. Mm-hmm. And I'd really gotten my foot in the door. I was going up on stage. That's impressive to it is. play at the comedy store. Yeah. And yeah. I'd gotten there pretty quickly, huh. you know, and um, I was going up fairly regularly. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was uh, a Saturday night. And there's an upstairs room called the belly room. And I had, you know, like a 10 minute slot at like 1am mm-hmm. and I could tell how bad the, how bad his blackout was by the way he was texting me, mm. like the way he would start responding. But if, if he stopped responding completely, that meant it was probably really bad. Mm. Um, and I remember I, I, it was like maybe 1230 and I, I was filled with anxiety and I'm like, I have to go home. I, ha- I, I have to leave. Mm. And I went to the guy and I was like, I, uh, something's wrong with my car. Or I said, I'd made some stupid excuse. Mm-hmm. And I remember he sort of looked at me, I guess at a very like Hollywood moment, he was like, really kid. <laughs> like he kind of looked at me like, sure. You're going to leave right now. Yeah. Like this is a real choice you're making. It here. was. Yeah. It was like a turning moment, and I, yeah. like I, I left. I gave up my spot, and I left, and I went home. And he, he was. It was. That was the night that he. I remember walking up to our apartment, and the music was so loud, the windows were rattling hmm. on our apartment. It was mm-hmm. Carol King. <laughs> okay. It was to make it even more like cinematic. It was the song. It's too late. It's too late, baby. Yeah. <laughs> like in the windows, like wow. And uh, and I walk in, and there's glass everywhere, and little droplets of blood. <sighs> and I find him like around the corner where the stereo was, and he was like sobbing, and like his he cut his foot, and like. I had just left the comedy store in a way I probably shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it was that moment for me. I was like, this is, this is over. Mm. And we broke up and I left. <laughs> were you like, were you the one that had to say this is done? And no, I think we both, you just were, both knew. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I remember standing in, Oh, that's not true. I also, that night happened. And then very shortly after that, I discovered he'd been talking to guys on Match.com. Uh, and we were, you know, supposedly monogamous. And I'm like, I've been hanging out with you for the last year, putting up with your bullshit. And mm-hmm. you're, it, it was that moment when I saw the mm-hmm. Match.com thing. Mm-hmm. But I remember standing in the carport of that building and we were both just sobbing. Mm-hmm. It was just like that. That's why I said it was the, it, that was the most like searingly painful one. Cause I just like f- gave myself to him. Yeah. And then it was like a painful year of like mm-hmm. coming home to that. And, and I mean, you know, like you hadn't really, you know, you had like the, the college guy that you were, that was like an on and on again, off again. And then like in Nashville for a long time, yeah. you didn't open yourself up to relationship. Yeah. And then you finally did with him. And it sounds like the highs were really high. Yes. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't imagine you were both deliberately doing this, but I'm probably like love bombing and just like dopamine hits all over the place. And then for it to like tragically, like jarringly go like the opposite the direction all of a sudden. Uh, and you probably, I, I imagine maybe you were like kind of like in denial about it. Like this could work or <laughs> like when you first started to. Yeah. Like, why did I put up with it? Yeah. I don't know. So were you in denial about it at first? Did you think that like maybe this relationship could continue on even if he was drinking? I don't. Yeah. I, I was so in love with him, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and I, I'd never faced that sort of thing before. Mm-hmm. Like looking back, I mean, I definitely knowing what I know now and have going, gone through what I've gone through. I, I think I would like to believe I would not put up with that. Sure. But at this time, I felt like I loved him and I'd never experienced that before. So I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Yeah, that makes sense. How long did it take you to kind of like recover from that? It felt like for a long time, it felt like the ability, this is going to be dramatic, but it felt (laughs) like the ability to love had been like burned out of me. That's what it felt like for probably a good couple of years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. So when was uh, your next relationship after that? Well, there's, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's, 
you know, I did have several more boy- boyfriends over the next decade. Yeah. I mean, I guess the the one the most significant one would be the one I just came out of. Um, How'd you meet him? We had a lot of mutual friends. Um, he's one of those like community leader kind of guys. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, always involved in like charities and stuff. So he's someone I was aware of. We were both about to turn 40. And uh, I think we met at like a gay community center or something, you know, just something really wholesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and we were both like, uh, I don't want to be in a relationship. We were both in that that kind of place. Like we can go on dates, we can have sex, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not, I don't really want like a partner. We were both in that space. Mm-hmm. We sort of just like really clicked together on the same page in a lot of ways. And I think, I mean, uh, we came together and it was, I mean, definitely the most profound relationship of my life. And like, I think we both found each other at a time in our lives where we really needed each other. And we sort of grounded each other in a way I didn't know I needed to be grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like the first person in my life that like really gave me permission to be myself. Mm-hmm. And like the things that I think I thought were my flaws, he thought were cool. Mm-hmm. Or, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Did you know, that make it so that you were able to like accept your own flaws? I think know? so. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I can, you know, I, I have a lot of like, I don't know what this even means. Like stereotypical artist flaws. Like what? I don't know. Like I sleep till noon and <laughs> I'm, I can be really messy. Uh-huh. And when I get a creative idea, I get obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I, a lot of things like that, mm-hmm. that I think I've always like apologized for mm-hmm. or like past boyfriends would criticize me for. Mm-hmm. And he loved all that. Mm-hmm. He thought it was cool. Yeah, I, those things could get in the way of a relationship and yeah. connection. But if you find them like endearing, yeah. or you admire them, or like he just loves your creativity, um, yeah, that's that's powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you you met you both were like, yeah, we're just gonna hang out. We're not mm-hmm. looking for anything serious. But then it eventually turned serious. Yeah, like a few months in, like I think we both softened on the I don't want a relationship thing, and mm-hmm. I think we we were both really just. F- we really helped each other in a, in a place, like I said, we were both, you know, 40 years old. We came together and like, and not intentionally, but like we both really got ourselves together financially in a way that we never had before. Mm-hmm. You know, I eventually ended up moving in and, you know, our, our lives together seemed, it was for a couple of years, it was really fantastic. And this is still in LA. No, this is back in Nashville. Oh, okay. yeah, you went yeah, back yeah. to Nashville. I did. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, you met him in Nashville. I did. Yeah. Okay. So relationships going well, you move in together. Mm-hmm. That's how does, how's like the living with somebody? It going? was great. Yeah. I guess, I mean, really for the, there was a, there was a long era. It was, I mean, I'd never been in a relationship that lasted much more than a year, mm-hmm. you know? And I would say for like the first three years, it was really wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What happened after the first three years? It's I mean, so we were together for 10 years. Okay. And at some point, like the intimacy started to fade a little, the communication, like a sense of closeness started to fade a little. Mm -hmm. And I remember we tried to talk about it. And I think in in the beginning, there was maybe like this feeling of like, uh, well, you know, long-term relationships, this happens and it's It's not uncommon. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we were like, it's okay. We, we care. There's nothing. We're not angry at each other. We're not, we're getting along well. We're too, you know, we've been together for three or four years. Like there's no reason to. Yeah. Just not as sparky. Yeah. 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 Okay. It was really just that in the beginning uh-huh. mm-hmm. and things just sort of kept fading, you know, mm-hmm. and over, you know, over time, over a long time, mm-hmm. you know, and I would say seven years into it, it's almost like, I mean, if I'm being honest, like all intimacy was gone. Mm. A lot of communication was gone. Mm -hmm. And again, we were never angry at each other. Did you feel like lonely in the relationship? No. And like, Mm. I still am, this might take me a long time to really unpack because we, 
we did have a lot of really good things, you know, and we would acknowledge those. It's like, we're helping each other through life or mm-hmm. we're, we share a house, we have cats We're this is our house. And I think also there's something about like the being middle age, it just felt different. There was nothing like, I want to go find something else. Cause I didn't. And I don't think he did either. Did it feel like you two were family? Yes. Like, yeah. So yeah. it sounds like, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, and again, it, it, communication got more difficult and I don't really know why, but it, it did. And like, um, I remember so recently when, you know, we officially ended things like maybe six months ago mm-hmm. and I like packed up and moved out and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I remember as we were talking and deciding what was next, I remember it's like, I got, I, there was an email exchange a while back about this stuff, whatever. And I remember like, we, cause we were like, should we go to see a, a counselor or something? Mm-hmm. And the answer is yes, we should have, but we didn't, <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh-huh. but, um, I remember I was like, what, what was that email? And I was like, I, I looked through my emails, like, what was that exchange? And I found it and I read it and it was like, uh, a paragraph where I was like clearly expressing what I felt was going on. And then I, except now today it's like, well, whatever I was feeling at the beginning there has fully completed itself today. Mm-hmm. But then I looked at the date and it was from 2016, which was seven years ago. Mm. And I was like, Oh wow. We, wow. we let this go on yeah. for seven years mm-hmm. and it just got worse and worse and worse. And well, I mean, it sounds like, yeah, it got more disconnected, but I imagine it was still really comfy and familiar. Yes. And there was like a routine yes. and like that family feeling yes. and you had cats together, right. right? And lived together. So like, sure, maybe the sparky chemistry, romantic, intimate like stuff that started to fade. It sounds like both of you maybe like avoided really addressing it and talking about mm-hmm. it and it really, yeah. So, and, and, and if you... If you ignore it for a while, it gets even harder and harder and harder to bring up, right? Because yes. it's just sort of like baked into your days now. And um, and, and maybe you, you two are like good supports for each other, good roommates, Absolutely. Really good friends, and yes. that family feeling. So I totally understand like staying in that because maybe there wasn't anything to be like, you are being a fucking asshole to me or you're being emotionally abusive. Absolutely. Or, right. There's no like Nothing really like horror. That. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's easy to kind of like relax into that. And then years later, look back and be like, Oh fuck. What? Where, when mm-hmm. did it sort of like this slow burn, uh, uh, of it, like eventually getting in a place where you're like really disconnected. Yeah. And okay. So you eventually have a chat about it with. Yeah. Together. Yeah. And, you know, two huge elements is one is the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, I think if I'm looking back, I, I was starting to feel like maybe it's time to move on pre like right before the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then that happened and mm-hmm. it's like, well, this can wait till later. And, <laughs> yeah. Everything felt like, yeah. It wait till, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, that. you know, cause in the beginning we was like, you know, this will last a couple months and then I'll bring this up again. Right, and then right. it lasted way longer than that. But when also like, in during the pandemic is when you sort of took off or where you really took off on TikTok. Yes, and right? that's the other yeah. element. Like right. um, when did you start posting? It was this time almost exactly three years ago. It was twenty twenty one, the new year twenty twenty one. Oh, okay. And was it TikTok or Instagram? It was, like, TikTok, it was TikTok at first. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. those you know, so we're in the pandemic. I was like collecting pandemic unemployment, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. for a minute. Mm-hmm. And he was working from home. And, uh, and then, yeah, the, my, my TikTok blew up. I didn't really know where that was headed at first. Exactly. Mm-hmm. At this point, I'd already sort of, in my mind, I thought I had retired from stand up comedy. Mm-hmm. Like I did it. I toured for a long time. I did okay, but I just, I could never make any money. And I was like, I, I've, I'm getting too old for this shit. So mm-hmm. I've got to make some money. Mm-hmm. And so when TikTok exploded, a lot of n- new opportunities started coming my way, including uh, being able to tour as a comedian again, but this time on a level that I could never reach mm. before. So mm-hmm. suddenly, I'm, I mean, for the last three years, I've been uh, headlining in clubs all over the world, mm. sold out clubs all over the world. Because of yes. TikTok and your internet. In program. the beginning, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Until, you know, it put me on the radar for yeah, a whole you. lot of people. Totally, yeah. yeah. And uh, 
And he, he was so happy and supportive of that. And he still is. There was never any weirdness about that, but is that just like a, a huge unexpected curveball for me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember coming home from a, a leg of a tour and I maybe been gone for like two months. Mm. And I remember like he was getting really sort of, uh, disenchanted with his job and feeling kind of a lot of ways, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember he said the phrase, um, I'm not really enjoying my life. Mm. And when he said that, I don't know where that came from. I just got a little choked up about it. There's something about like this feeling that like, is, uh... like I don't regret anything. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is all for the best. Mm-hmm. Sorry. No. Yeah, it's totally fine. I mean, that was like a really pivotal moment, it sounds like. And he was being really honest and vulnerable. So I get thinking about it and feeling sadness. Of course. Yeah, it's like uh, I've always said that um, no one deserves a, a, a happier ending than he does. Mm-hmm. And I think in that moment, I was like, oh, shit. I'm not the happy ending. Mm. I I just had been like operating like, mm-hmm. of course I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew he didn't mean it. He wasn't saying that to me. Mm-hmm. He was just expressing something. And I knew he felt that way. And we'd been like holding on for so long. Yeah. And like, it was just like a moment of like, um, this is not what I saw. You know, this is, I think... I, I, you posted something that stuck with me and I even say something like this in my show right now. You said that something about, there's like a, uh, a sadness for things that won't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Or I think you use the example of inside jokes or you know, <sighs> things that will, yeah will never exist again. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like, uh, we always had this like idyllic fantasy of someday we're going to, uh, go to California and buy a house and like retire in a house in California. (laughs) And that was something we would sort of like fantasize about together, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, well, that won't, that will never happen now. Mm. And I don't want it to, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, uh, but a part of you was like uh, fantasizing about it and imagining, and you had this like whole imagined future mm -hmm. that now you have to let go of and grieve. And of course, maybe it doesn't make sense for either of you to experience that anymore. But now you have to like step into the void or like mm-hmm. of what's next and you have to give up that fantasy. Yeah. yeah. And I have, it's mm-hmm. like, a, I, it, it's, it's like, I don't regret. I know it was the right thing. Mm-hmm. It's just like, God damn, we spent a decade yeah. of, you know, in like of my life and he's an amazing person and I care about him. I really want him to enjoy his life, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, it was just like painful thing that I think had to happen. So I remember he said something like, uh, when we were having the conversation that like, it was like, this is it. He said, uh, am I holding you back from something? And what he meant was, is there someone else? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what he, that's what he meant when mm-hmm. he said, am I holding you back from something? And there isn't anyone else, you know? And so I said immediately, I was like, no, 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 nothing like that. But I kept thinking about it. It's like, actually, yes, we're both holding each other back, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, Again, like being 50 years old and I think – I don't feel like I'm even close to being done with romance or sex or anything. But Mm -hmm. I think it's like – it just – it's different. And I think it made us hold hold on for longer than we should have because it's like I want to fucking start over again. Sure. You know? Yeah. And there was and still probably is a lot of love there. Love and respect and good friendship. Um, But it sounds like maybe there wasn't, you know, like you kind of said, there wasn't any more opportunity for growth in the relationship. Maybe you weren't pushing each other in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And it it probably didn't end because you fell out of love with each other. You still love and respect and cared about each other. Yeah. But that was the end of the road for the relationship. And it sounds like 
probably was like the end a, a, a while ago. Yes. But it, there was, there was a, still so much good there. Yes. And it felt comfortable and familiar. And yeah. then you both were really brave by like acknowledging that it's, it's done and it's mm-hmm. like run its course and it's time to go on like to the next chapter or yeah. journey. Yeah. But it seems like you still hold a place in your heart for him and you always will. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I feel, I mean, I didn't know that little emotional thing was still there. I mean, it's only been six months, I guess. And yeah. That's still pretty fresh. I've recently started feeling like I'm, I'm ready for whatever is next. I don't know exactly what it is mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. In that, in like the love department, but I'm, I'm open and ready Mm -hmm. and, you know, but I think I'll I'll always carry a piece of sadness probably. Yeah. Yeah, And that's one way that you'll stay connected to him. And that's actually pretty sweet and acknowledges the really special, powerful connection and relationship that you had with him. So, and I think that he will too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. We're out of time for today. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it feels very therapist-like to just like end it like <laughs> right on this. i'll send you an invoice uh, yeah <laughs> but I, this i feel like this was like so far in this like young podcast my favorite episode oh good this felt like so organic and nice and sweet and you're you're also like just a really good natural storyteller, obviously, like we see that on TikTok and in your shows and uh, just here on the podcast. And you opened up in a really like vulnerable, honest way that I think a lot of people will listen to this and relate to a lot of the things yeah, I hope so. that you said. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and see you on tour? Yeah, all of my dates and everything that I do is on my website, which is kevinjamesthornton.com. Yeah, I'll be seeing you later tonight at 7 p.m. I can't wait. It's great. Bye.